You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Jellyfish. At the mere mention of the name, most of us imagine shapeless, rubbery, and even disgusting creatures. In any case, there's something we do not wish to touch. It isn't until we see them underwater that they transform into graceful beings. In the course of evolution, jellyfish have developed unbelievably clever skills and have conquered every habitat in our oceans. To protect themselves, they've developed weapons that can also become dangerous to humans. Most jellyfish are not a threatened species. In the large family of jellyfish, this box jellyfish is the most dangerous. Closely followed by this siphonophore, the Portuguese man of war. For most of us, the word jellyfish evokes negative feelings. The term medusas is more appropriate and it gives it the feel of a mysterious and dangerous beauty. Welcome back to the Varmints Podcast. Every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet one animal at a time. For the next few weeks, our buddy Paul Chomo is kind of out on a little sabbatical for the show, taking the summer off. So in the meantime, I have been able to see the ND Pod community step in like complete and total bosses and we have amazing guests for you to listen to for the whole entire summer. So I just want to say how overwhelmed and grateful for the amount of encouragement, support, and just plain love we've gotten from our community, and so is Paul. So let's get on with all this learning about animal stuff. I am Donna, and I am not an animal expert. I'm Megan from Ono Lit Class Podcast, and I'm not an animal expert either. And today we are talking about jellyfish. The jellies. But first, the news. So, this weekend, uh, this past weekend that we just have, 469 people were stung by jellyfish. And the 15-day total of people clooping into the ocean is nearing 3,900. What do you think about that down in Daytona Beach, Florida? I think that means it's summertime in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the article that we've got here from the News Journal Online says that on Saturday and Sunday, a combined 469 people were stung. And this is according to the Volusia County Beach Safety and Ocean Rescue. Lifeguards have been treating hundreds of swimmers per day since June 9th, when the invertebrates started appearing in large numbers. Experts told the News Journal that they think the species of jellyfish causing all the stings is the sea nettle. Have you heard of the sea nettle? I have not heard of the sea nettle. That one's news to me. Huh says that it's not known when they'll move on, but they are warned that they could be a factor for the duration of the summer, unless a strong current takes them away. Captain Michael Berard, a beach safety spokesman, said anyone who gets stung should leave the water and flag down a lifeguard. Jellyfish stings are treated with vinegar, not urine, guys. No, don't pee on it. That's, that's, (laughs) That's like just one of those, like, persisting... Uh, yeah. weird, like... Urban myth, yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't, don't, don't pee on it. Please, that sounds like it needs to be a varmint's bu- bumper sticker. Varmints, don't pee on <laughs> don't it. Don't pee on it. <laughs> <laughs> but he said none of the 3,900 or so jellyfish stings have resulted in a major injuries, but still something to be aware of if you are going to be swimming in any ocean water in the summer. So it's true. No good. It's, it's all well, especially out in Daytona Beach. That's all tourists. That's all. Where it's like, yeah, man, we're gonna go down to Daytona Beach, and then it's like, ow, 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 ow. Why did I do this? <laughs> we're going down to Daytona. <laughs> this was a mistake. <laughs> 
Ah, this is going to be pretty wild. All right, why don't you go to our <laughs> reminder now, Megan? <laughs> uh, this is just a reminder to go to blazingcariboustudios.com for links to the audio in our show notes for today's episode. We're also on Twitter and Instagram, at Varmits Podcast, all one word. And at varmitspodcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestions. And I run a Pinterest board for each animal we talk about. The link to that is at the bottom of our show notes. We also have merchandise. Just put varmints into the search engine at tpublic.com for all kinds of wonderful stuff. You can get a tote bag, a mug, a pillow, a shirt, just about anything you want over there. And maybe soon a a bumper sticker that says, Don't don't pee pee on on it. it. I don't know. We'll have to see. (laughs) If you like the show, why not tell a friend about us and introduce them to the podcast? We're everywhere that podcasts are found, and word of mouth is the very best way to help us grow. Hey, let's go get educated on some animals. I know you wanna. (laughs) It's good to learn. Knowledge, knowledge is pa- powerful. Yes, that's it. That's the thing that people say. <laughs> knowledge is powerful. And so are jellyfish. <laughs> yes, yes, they are. <laughs> so jellyfish mainly live in the ocean, but they aren't actually fish. They're plankton. Isn't that weird? They're plankton. They aren't actually ah! jelly either. No. I feel so lied to. <laughs> These plants and animals either float in the water or possess such limited swimming powers as that the currents control their horizontal movement. Some plankton are microscopic, single-celled organisms, while others are several feet long. Jellyfish can range in size from less than an inch to nearly seven feet long, with tentacles of up to a hundred and feet, a hundred feet long. It's like a nightmare. It's reaching out to you, just like it's reaching. Jellyfish are also members of the phylum, oh my gosh, I cannot pronounce this. Is it Cnidaria? C-N-I-D-A-R-I-A. Wait, was it? C-N-I-D-A-R-I-A. Yeah! That, yeah, no, we're, it's, I'm, I got some, look, I got some Latin lined up that I'm just gonna... Nidaria? Yes, yes. That sounds right. Nidaria? Okay. All right. Jellyfish are also members of the phylum Nidaria. We think that's how it's pronounced. And it's from the Greek word for stinging nettle. And the class, schizophilia. The class, (laughs) schizophilia, from the Greek word for cup, referring to the jellyfish's body shape. All. Nidarians. <laughs> oh my gosh. All Nidarians have a mouth in the center of their bodies surrounded by. Oh. All. I think. We think it's. I think. Ugh. We think it's Nidarian. It's spelled C N I D A R I A N S. So, you know, if that ain't right, just let us know. I'm Marmon's just going to say. Gmail.com. I'm just going to say Kinidarian every time just to be contrary. Kinid- the Canadarian. So all Canadarians have a mouth in the center of their bodies surrounded by tentacles, which sounds like a horrible movie, doesn't it? Yep. Sounds like a B-movie. Ah! The thing with a mouth and tentacles. Ew! Ah! It's coming this way! <laughs> the jellyfish's Canadarian relatives include corals, sea anemones, and Portuguese man-o'-war. Ah! They're about 98% water. If a jellyfish washes up on the beach, it will mostly disappear as the water evaporates. Most are transparent and bell-shaped. Their bodies have radial symmetry, which means that all the parts of the body extend from a central point like spokes on a wheel. If you cut a jellyfish in half at any point, you will always get equal halves. And why would you do that, you monster? Because you're a scientist studying jellies, that's why. Jellies have very simple bodies. They don't have bones, they don't have a brain, and they don't have a heart. To see light, detect smells, and orient themselves, they have a rudimentary scent of sensory nerves at the base of their tentacles. Their body generally comprises of six basic parts. Ready? Ready to take some notes? 
Okay, right. Uh, wait. Uh, okay, yeah, now I'm ready. Spit that gum out. <laughs> <laughs> There's the epidermis, which protects the inner organs, the gastrodermis, which is the inner layer, the mesoglia, or middle jelly, between the <laughs> epidermis and the gastrodermis, the gastrovascular cavity, which functions as a gullet, stomach, and intestine all in one, an orifice that functions as both the mouth and the anus. This is getting more horror movie all the time. <laughs> and tentacles that line the edge of the body. An adult jellyfish is called a medusa. The plural is medusae. Named after Medusa, the mythological creature with snakes for hair, who could turn humans into stone with a glance. Several dozen jellyfish larvae can hatch at once. They eventually float out on the currents and look for a solid surface on which to attach, such as a rock. And when they attach, they become polyps, which are hollow cylinders with a mouth and tentacles at the top. Polyps later bud into young jellyfish called ephyrae. After a few weeks, the jellyfish float away and grow into mature medusae. A medusa can live for about three to six months, depending on the species. I mean, it's basically they're just floating, like, floating sting mouth butts. They're floating sting mouth butts. That's exactly what they are. So jellyfish are carnivores. They eat other animals. Smaller jellyfish eat algae and other tiny plankton called zooplankton. Larger jellyfish eat crustaceans and other big aquatic animals. They don't seek out people to attack. Their nervous system is way too simple to do that. Each jellyfish tentacle is covered with thousands of cells that are called uh, nidoblasts, nidoblasts, which house nematocysts, uh, which house nematocysts containing stinging threads. And when a jellyfish encounters another object, the pressure inside the nematocyst causes the threads to uncoil. The stinging cells spring out at the unwitting victim like tiny darts firing venom into it. And the venom is a neurotoxin designed to paralyze jellyfish prey. And although this can kill a small aquatic animal, its sting is not usually fatal to humans, except in a few rare cases. It tends to cause pain, skin rashes, sometimes fever and muscle cramps. The de degree of pain and reaction to a jellyfish sting, again, depends on the species. And, and whether or not you pee on it. <laughs> and whether or not you pee on it. No, no, that's not related. <laughs> it probably doesn't help. <laughs> it doesn't help. No. They have larger canidoblasts. I still don't know how you pronounce that C-N thing, so we're just doing our best here. Yeah. That can penetrate deeper into the skin, and some jellyfish have stronger venom than others. So, when you are on the beach, watch out for jellyfish on the water and on the sand. Even a tentacle that's been separated from a jellyfish can sting. And if you do get stung, first remove any tentacles that are clinging to your skin. Don't wash the area with fresh water. It could release more venom into your body. Instead, clean it with rubbing alcohol and vinegar. And any signs of an allergic reaction warrant immediate medical attention. Now, honestly, if you are on the beach and you get stung by a jellyfish, you should go find a lifeguard because they have a first aid kit with that they have jellyfish sting solutions right there so. also true yeah but we get we get the uh here in in sunny south florida we get the portuguese man war that wash up on the beach and they look they look quite dead they look like weird little blue shriveled plastic bags and you know i was gonna say like tourist kids but you know what the adults are are just as bad i can't even be like those dang kids going up and poking the the jellyfish. No, it's it's grown people too, just walking up and being like, I'm just gonna poke this with my toe because I'm curious what it is, and that's that's how I learn about the world with my big exposed toe, and they get stung. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, generally they are not that much of a nuisance except for the stinging accidents. But in recent years, in certain parts of the world, namely Japan, Australia, and Europe, they've seen a problematic increase in jellyfish populations and they believe that the increase in jellyfish numbers may have to do with the additional nutrients that are in the water from climate change and fishing along the coastlines dramatic population increases are called blooms and some researchers are concerned about the increased numbers of jellyfish that could compete for food resources with fish and other marine animals and they could bump out local native species so they can wreak havoc with local fishing industries by tearing holes in fishing nets and disrupting other fish populations. So 
there you go. We are not going to talk about all the different varieties of jellyfish because there are a ton and there we don't have time. Somewhere around uh, the neighborhood of 10,000. So this different would have to species, be a, yeah. a very long podcast. <laughs> yeah. There are four major groups of the different shapes. Um, and you can read about that when you come and look at our show notes that we will give you. But we're not going to talk about all of them today by any, by any means. So... Let's go on and uh, continue with our show. Let's see. Let's talk about the solar-powered jellyfish. Have you ever heard of a solar-powered jellyfish? Um, yes, but only because I was reading about jellyfish very recently for this show. <laughs> <laughs> the animal I'm going to talk about is an example of what we call a symbiotic creature. So... That means that they have an, a partnership with another animal or plant that each species benefits equally from hanging out together all the time. It's like what our mitochondria and our cells used to be with us. They used to be a separate species, but they became so much a part of our cells that now they're not a separate species anymore. You know what I mean? So. I, didn't, I didn't know that. Oh, yes. The mitochondria I, was a bacteria way, way in the distant, dark past. And All they taught us was that the mitochondria was the powerhouse of the cell. It is the powerhouse of the cell, but at one time it was its own thing, and it is no longer its own thing. And we can be said that our gut bacteria that we have are also symbiotic creatures because we can't live without them. And they get all of their living from us. So that's an example of what that means. But And there are a lot of animals that do that. And this happens to be one of them. So, this jelly rests on its bell on the seafloor. And its little tentacles wave up toward the sun. Because they're a farmer. The, the color that they have is usually a brown or green or something. And it's usually caused by the symbiotic algae that live inside their tissues. So... By lying upside down, the jelly exposes this algae to the sun, allowing it to photosynthesize, and then the jelly lives off of the food the algae produces, as well as the zooplankton that are in the water around it. So both species benefit. The jelly gets food, and the algae gets sunshine to make its own food. So it's like got a permanent place in the sun always that's protected from predators because it's a stinging horrible jellyfish <laughs> i mean this thing i know you're, you're going on about horror movies and and terrible floating stinging mouth butts but you made it sound so cute like it just lies on the the, the seafloor and just wiggles it and... <laughs> kind of is though it kind of is really cute i mean if you could describe something without eyes I mean, visible eyes, they have eyes, but if oh, you yeah. could, if you could describe something without visible eyes as cute, it's sort of, look, they look like tribbles a little bit, if you're a Star Trek person. They look, they look a little tiny bit like tribbles. I don't think I'd want to step on one or handle one at all, but they look really neat, actually. I have an article from Monterey Bay Aquarium that I'll put in the show notes so that you can go and look at the cool picture. So... An upside-down jelly, this species, doesn't have a central mouth, and instead, the edges of its eight arms are fused and folded into elaborate frills that contain hundreds of tiny mouth openings. The mouth openings are connected by channels to the stomach, and by pulsing the bell, it forces zooplankton into the nematocysts in the mouth openings. Nah, just went back to gross. <laughs> <laughs> it's times like this that I sort of wish that we were a video show so we could show the action of this stuff because it's kind of hard to describe on in, a, in an audio medium, but it is really cool, actually. So they're more vulnerable to predation than other species that live in the ocean, uh, the open ocean or the deep sea. They live in mangrove forests and shallow lagoons along tropical coasts. Mangrove forests are among the most threatened ecosystems on Earth, and they're constantly under siege from coastal development or questionable farming practices, which I know you're familiar with in Florida. That's a big deal down there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. People clear mangroves to build hotels, housing, and fish farms. Pollution flows into the mangrove forests and these, from these coastal developments, and it endangers all the life in the mangroves. And it, it sucks because mangrove, mangrove forests are beautiful, and there was one actually like right 
off of where I went to school, which was in Jupiter. There's a beach up there. It was a mangrove beach. And there's just so much life. There are all these little critters and and whatnot yeah and it's just it just really stinks yep well it's one of those facts that we can't convince people to stop doing that because it makes a lot of money but unfortunately it means our mangroves are in a lot of danger so the jelly is rarely found alone it flips upside down alongside others of its kind Turned upside down with stubby oral arms, which is the weirdest. Uh, you ever heard anybody say oral arms? Oh, my oral arms. Yeah, no, that's a new one. Are pointed toward the sun, and it looks like a flower. And it can grow to about the size of a pie plate. This jelly is a favorite meal for ocean sunfish and the endangered leatherback sea turtle. So the upside down jelly uses like a, they use its bell a little bit like a suction cup to stick to the seafloor, so they just flip it the other way. (laughs) Pretty cool, huh? All right, so now we're going to play this. Ooh, I don't feel too well. I'm feeling strange in the jungle. Ooh, I don't feel too well. What could it be? Could it be an animal? If it bits you on the leg, then it's phantomous. <laughs> if you ate it for lunch, then it's poisonous. If it bits you on the leg, then it's phantomous. If you ate it for lunch, then it's poisonous. Well, it bit me, so I put it back. Call an ambulance, I've got a heart attack. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> uh, that was a very intense experience. <laughs> That was pretty awesome, huh? Yeah, that yeah. was great. <laughs> it's good. It's a good job. <laughs> that was a good jingle. So yes, um, jellyfish are venomous, not poisonous. Because they go, they go and get you. They go and get you. So why don't you talk about what you're going to talk about now that we've had that that bumper? Um, I will, and because because we're going to talk about a, a venomous a venomous thing, the possibly the most venomous thing in the ocean. It's the um, most venomous. <laughs> uh, yes, I am going to talk about a very special square-shaped squish monster known as the Australian box jellyfish. <laughs> yes, and if I could do anything approximating an Australian accent, I, I would, but I can't, so <laughs> The Australian box jellyfish, uh, Kiranex K- Flick- Flickery? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Um, it's not only the most mathematically pleasing jellyfish, visually speaking, with its distinct cube cubiness, its cube mm-hmm. qualities. Yes. Um, it is also the most venomous marine animal. There is nothing in the ocean, as far as scientists are concerned, that's got more venom in it. So, of course, it's Australian. Uh, with body sizes reaching up to one foot in diameter and... Thick shoelace-like tentacles up to 10 feet long. Oh my gosh. But this is more than just a venom addendum. (laughs) A venom addendum. (laughs) I know, I'm very very proud of that. Uh, Most other jellyfish are just sort of super chill and um, they just like float wherever the ocean takes them, you know, brah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, like we read in the the news story that they're like, well, we don't know, you know, if these jellyfish are going to be here until the current just like takes them somewhere. But no, not the Australian box jellyfish. This is a jelly on the move. A jelly that's part of this fast paced modern get up and go world. (laughs) It can swim. It swims with purpose at speeds of up to almost four knots, which in non-pirate terms is more than four and a half miles per hour. And I mean, like, nah, it's, it's not going to win you any races, but if I saw a jellyfish coming at me at any miles per hour other than zero, like, that would give me something to think about. Yes, for sure. Ah, oh, that sounds scary. It is. And I, I bet I bet you think that I'm done talking about the Australian box jellyfish, but you think wrong. You think wrong, Donna. Okay, I am incorrect. Yes, but it's Okay. Because you're going to find out now. Apart from a need for speed and a set of stingers that have earned this species the nickname of sea wasps. uh, Yeah, I know. It's like, it's also got, it's got something else that most jellies don't. And that is clusters of eyes on either side of its, the box, of, of its box thing. It's, it's You're bell. getting into nightmare territory here. It's bell bo- Oh, we've only just begun. 
You see, <laughs> not only the Australian variety, but box jellyfish just as like a, a species in general, uh, they have 24 eyes. <laughs> uh, and that is four sets of six, with each of the four sets uh, meant to sense a different thing. Size, color, shape, and light intensity. So it helps them figure out how to maneuver around stuff, avoid predators, and grab food. Mm-hmm. And it's all the better to see you with. <laughs> yeah, but they still don't have a heart or a brain. You could probably still beat one at checkers. Yeah, no, they don't have a heart or a brain, but... While some of the eyes are more, like, primitive, other sets have, like, that deluxe eye package that we would think belonged more on a human than a floating sting bag, including a lens, <laughs> cornea, retina, and even an iris that can contract in bright light. So, the Australian box jellyfish has people eyes to peep it, at you with. Don't you think that's overdoing it a little bit for a plankton? It is. It's sort of unnecessary that this this jellyfish has human-esque eyes. And, you know, when you gaze into the the abyss, the abyss is going to gaze back at you and Ah. sort of wink sassily and then come at you at four and a half miles an hour. (laughs) Well, that's pretty terrible, especially because I don't think I could swim fast at four and a half miles an hour. Uh, Uh, I'm pretty sure I couldn't. I I love it, but I hate it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the whole experience of studying these creatures the whole time. It's been neat. Oh, my God, that's horrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Okay. Well, that sounds truly horrifying. Disclaimer time. The Vomits Podcast knows it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence. But then... Donna and Paul only have the yardstick of themselves, so they're going to do it anyway. So, all right, on a scale of 1 to 10, what do we think? How smart are jellies? <laughs> As we previously stated, they don't got no brains. So I'm yeah, like, no that's, brain. yeah, that's going to hurt their overall score. But they do have a, they have a net, they have like a brain net thing. Um, yeah, and and really, their their lack of a lobe, you know, frontal or otherwise, has not stopped them from existing for five hundred million years. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> so have plants. So. I mean, they're they're counted among possibly like the oldest creatures on Earth, and they're like adaptation champions because that's why we're we're in this this these issues with these these blooms and stuff that. They're, they're good. They're good. Take over. They've spread out to to various oceans of the world. So I mean, they're like, gonna take over, but they can't use the internet. You know, like there's only so much they can do. They can be weird and terrifying, but they can't think. And you know, you gotta you gotta be able to think a little bit to take over the world. I you suppose. have to be able to plan. You know, but I, I I gotta say, like not being able to go on the internet probably is only going to it's gonna come down in like the plus column for them (laughs) and they like the cheetahs and they just sort of decided to let us have it because that's just not a good idea (laughs) pretty much yeah so uh due to their 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 cleverness in terms of just dominion over the ocean i'm gonna give i'm gonna give them a seven out of ten no they're not as smart as a raven brains don't they don't brain don't no. need them. Nah, that's not what intelligence is about. So this I'm is the Megan. This is the Megan scale. Yeah, the Megan scale is different than the intelligence scale that we usually use, and it's totally fine because it's completely arbitrary and you know kind of subjective. I, but I don't we know have what I'm our talking about. we have our past episode metric that we have to kind of fit it in with, and so. Since ravens and animals like that are up in the seven and eight area, I think jellyfish have to be one. I think this is the first animal that I've ever given a one. And somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I, I do think it's the first one I've ever said. Nah, one. You know, they have just enough intelligence to learn which way the face to get the food, and that's about it. But they don't need it. The whole dominating all the stuff and being millions of years old and all of that kind of stuff, that definitely shows a really good 
adaptability and they are survivors, but they are also morons. They're not, yeah, they don't, they don't think. <laughs> could I, could I, can I bump you up to a 1.5? I might go 1.5. Sure. Ah, all right. Yeah, why not? I'll I meet mean, you in the, I'll meet you in the middle there at 1.5. They'll never know. <laughs> so. <laughs> we can make fun of them all we want and they will never complain. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to a commercial and uh, see what's going on with that. Hey, everybody, this is your best friend, Steven. And this is your best friend, Chris. And we're the hosts of the podcast, Is This Adulting? Every week, we sit down to talk about life, debate pointless topics, and most importantly, break the stigma on mental illness through opening up about our own struggles and how it affects us every day. Oh, and do you like games? We got those two. What about guests from all your favorite podcasts? Ooh, like Justin from Generation Y or Nina from Already Gone or Hal Lublin from everything. Uh, and of course, you can't forget our special guest, Tom Bodette from those Motel 6 commercials. Okay, that last one might have been a threat. Yeah, yeah, just like them. Uh, so join us each Thursday as we attempt to navigate adulthood as overgrown man children. And remember, kids, be happy, stay healthy, and go hug someone. Because you never know. They might just be the host of your new favorite podcast. Hey there, everyone. Paul and Donna are a couple of nerds just like you. And they don't get to see animals up close and in person very often. So let's talk about where we all see them most of the time. On movies, TV, comic books, toys and video games. So, what you got for us? Uh, jellyfish, ironically, it's a little bit of a wasteland with jellyfish. Yeah, it was, we it were was sort of lucky. Hard. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. It's kind of difficult. Um, uh, the best I was able to do, I'm letting, letting you have the, the, the good one, is um, in <laughs> uh, Sponge, SpongeBob SquarePants, you know, yes. which a. Uh, has been a show for nigh on 20 years. So during its first season, I, I was but a wee child still uh, mm -hmm. when it aired in 1999. By a wee child, I mean like I was like 10, but still. Uh, That's a wee child, yeah. And um, while well, jellyfish have always been a feature on SpongeBob SquarePants where they're sort of wild animals, kind of like a... Um, like a like kind of like raccoons almost these sort of like weird feral semi-intelligent creatures although spongebob like fishes them with a with a, a butterfly net but they're they're shown to be fairly intelligent i don't know huh. um but anyway there's they're a, everything there's, <laughs> there's they're all the things <laughs> there's an episode in the first season called jellyfish jam spongebob takes a, a wild jellyfish home with him and uh, the, the moral of the story was basically like, don't don't let wild animals in your home. And the way they illustrated this is that the jellyfish invites over all its jellyfish friends and they throw a sick party and they play like 90s style jock jams. <laughs> and um, at the, I just remember at the end, because the, the narrator for all the SpongeBob episodes has like this French like fake Jacques Cousteau kind of thing. And it's like, oh. and SpongeBob learned that wild animals can throw very wild parties. And I just, I don't know what that was. That wasn't French. That was nothing. Um, <laughs> well, let's listen to what you gave us for a quick. <laughs> what a jellyfish! <laughs> well, what a jamming party. Yeah. Obnoxious cl and classical. Are <laughs> 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 on the dial. <laughs> <laughs> It's just a little dancing jellyfish. It's great. <laughs> I wasn't kidding when I said 90s jock jams. <laughs> it's a little jelly who's dancing around with SpongeBob. That's pretty amazing. So it's like a minute and a half of a jellyfish dancing around with SpongeBob. Very good. Yeah, if you skip forward, you get, yeah. Uh, but that's pretty much the majority of it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. They are so funny. <laughs> this is so weird. <laughs> it's like 90s TV was super psychedelic for little kids. It was. 
that I grew up on. SpongeBob is the only guy I know that can have fun with a jellyfish. <laughs> Fun with the jellyfish for 12 hours. Yep. Oh. Wow. You sure like to dance. Well, that's enough for tonight. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, we're going to go on and we'll we'll go over to our other thing which is very short. So, on the the movie Finding Nemo, there was a couple of jellyfish things. There was one incident where Dory and Marlin end up bouncing across a field of jellyfish that's in the ocean to get from one place to another, and that works out sort of badly and doesn't doesn't it doesn't work out badly in the end, but it's sort of scary when you're when you're right in it. But then there's this part, which we're gonna play for you now, which is hilarious. It's true. <laughs> Trust, it's what friends do. Look, something shiny! Where? Oh, it just swam over the trench. Come on, we'll follow it. Okay. Boy, sure is clear up here. Exactly. And look at that. There's the current. We should be there in no time. Hey, little guy. You wanted to go through the trench. I shall call him Squishy, and he shall be mine. And he shall be my Squishy. Come here, Squishy. <laughs> Come here, little squishy. Dory, that's a jellyfish. Bad squishy. Bad squishy. Shoot, shoot. Bad squishy. Come here, let me see. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. I'm not going to touch it. I just want to look. Don't pee on it, Marlin. No, don't pee on it, Marlin. Yeah, that scene takes place just right before the scene that I was talking to you about. So, yeah. But that is pretty much it. The, there is not a sea of jellyfish pop culture, unfortunately. So. No, not really. Be, you, you guys have to make it. You have to be the jellyfish pop culture that you want to see in the world. That's right. And so let's move on to this. Uh, so, hey, are you going to eat that? So, would you eat jellyfish? Would you eat it? No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty much my answer as well. No. No. <laughs> no, I'm not going to eat the jellyfish. Apparently, there is a jellyfish salad, which is an appetizer common in some Asian cuisines. And I was looking at the picture of it, and it just... They've got carrot slices in it, and it just kind of looks like ramen noodles, you know? Uh, and it's no. sort of like, if you're just going to eat something that's noodle-ish, just, I mean, just give me a noodle. I would prefer that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I can see, like, uh, maybe trying to utilize jellyfish's food more to deal with, like, overpopulation. That's, like, what they're trying to do now with the lionfish. Right. Um... But is it, no, I just I'd I'd rather not. Look at that they picture. They are my scary. They are my scary sting friends, and I don't want them in my mouth. And <laughs> look at this picture. Does that look appetizing to you at I can't, all? I can't even. It's oh no no it doesn't. It's just no. a lump with some with some carrots. I don't it want that. It kind of looks noodle-ish, doesn't it? But Vaguely also you're noodle, like... noodle-esque, noodle-adjacent, perhaps. Yeah, but you wouldn't, I mean, you would look at it and say, I think I'll pass. Essentially, yeah, which, I don't know, it feels sort of hypocritical because, like, I'll eat calamari, and that is another wiggly ocean creature. Yeah, I know, but at least it has some substance to it. These guys are mostly just water, so all you're getting is like the little transparent membrane, and they've actually rehydrated it for consumption. But you yeah. like this rehydrated jellyfish membrane? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I bet mm. Paul would eat it. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Paul and Donna. It's me, Vlad Samtanovsky. <laughs> I guarantee you I can help you win your next trivia night. Or at the very least, make you the smartest person in the room. All I gotta do is share with you this, the animal fact of the week. 
All right, animal facts. What you got? Okay, so I this this just this is was wild. I can't yes. even say words right because that's how crazy it is. Um, yes. There is a species of jellyfish that is basically immortal. Gotcha. It is it is the immortal jelly. The immortal jelly. Um, what, <laughs> what what I like and that I kind of ended up doing sort of on accident is is finding jellyfish that are kind of the exceptions to like the rules that you were saying before where it's like oh they don't have yeah. like eyes they don't really swim they don't do these things and so one of the other things is they that you said they live for like three to six months essentially it depends on the species yeah but yeah there are exceptions it's a very very big clade it's it's critters, huge so. it, yeah no it's yeah. massive um so there is a species of jellyfish uh, called the uh, and they don't they don't have an easy thing like the bo- the the box jellyfish there, Turritopsis nutricula. Hmm, um, good one. <laughs> yeah, they they are nicknamed the immortal jellyfish, and that's what we're gonna call them. That due to having the incredible ability to revert back to the polyp stage if they are oh. like injured or starving or just like really stressed out. So, um, I'm very jealous of this because, like, man, there have been so many times in my life when I've been super stressed and been like, man, I wish I was a little kid again and didn't have to have a job or pay rent and could have just been like, poof, you're a small child now and you can tackle this adult stuff later in round two. Yeah, I'm going to go back to polyp form. (laughs) Yes, I was happier then. So, yeah, they, they start off, like, the, how we would normally view the the life cycle of the weird sea balloon, like you'd said, with the there's the polyps and then to the Medusa stage, and so if if bad times are abound, they will find warm like warm water, like the warmest that they can, stick themselves on a surface, and they can mutate themselves back to babyhood, and then just grow themselves back up, good as new. Well, that sounds convenient. Yeah, they and they can theoretically do it. Forever. <laughs> wow. So basically, if they don't die in the polyp stage, these jellyfish have found the cheat code to nature and they're playing with infinite lives on. <laughs> My goodness. That sounds great. <laughs> wow. I know. <laughs> so that's a I, life hack. <laughs> Just yeah, be a baby again. <laughs> but that's a, it does sound like that's an amazing thing that a lot of species would like to do, but I bet it's really not possible unless you have that kind of simple cellular structure, you know? It's true. Because, yeah. So. They, they, they do die. Like, it's, it's not, you know, they, they, they're not, like, literally immortal because that would, um, well, we'd be talking about it way more. Their, their regeneration... Like I said, they they can succumb to, you know, predators or disease or whatever in in the polyp stage. Right. Um, But we we need to study it more closely, is what the scientists tell us, because uh, as far as they can kind of tell, it just seems like that they can, that they could just, they almost have infinite redos if they can successfully do it each time without dying as polyps. Well, it's not cellular regeneration, just cellular regeneration. It's actually like reverting to an earlier, more basic, unworried state or something. I don't know. I don't know enough about cell biology to to say, but I can see why they would think that was important. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Well, because, yeah, it's it's that whole thing of how, like, that you can turn, of turning cells into other cells, which is like a thing we try to do. With yeah. uh, people cells, where like we have like a clump of like regular skin cells, and we yell things at it like "Be a lung now," and then it can become a lung sometimes. So that's a that's a thing we definitely want to study and know more about. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> See, all the cellular biologists need to do is talk to us. We're just yeah. like, we'll be like, just yell at it really loud. Yeah. Just just scream at those cells. Scream at it, boss. All right, we're going to talk about today the sea lice. And I know that you know what sea lice are because you are in Florida, right? Yes, and yeah. but I, I did not know that sea lice was a jellyfish thing. Um, 
It is. Sea yeah. lice is known as sea bather's eruption or pika pika. <laughs> Sea, I know. Sea bathers eruption. eruption. I just can't. What are you talking about? I don't know. That's so weird. Um, but yeah, no. Is it because the the sore that it makes is a little volcanic or something? Probably, because what it mm. is is um, we get sea lice advisories. Um, and I never knew that's what it was. But yeah, I always thought it was like little weird little bugs or something. Right. And like, yeah, you can get nibbled, and you'll get like like a sort of. Um, rashy like not quite mosquito bite situation right but I didn't know well, they, were, they were jellyfish creatures they are jellyfish <laughs> creatures and I'll tell you all about them they generally occur in the lower Atlantic coast of Florida from March through August with the highest incidence in May and June and they create an itchy red rash on areas of the body covered by a bathing suit Sea lice are not really lice. They are the larvae of thimble jellyfish. They are nearly microscopic, and they become trapped between bathing suit fabric and skin. Mm. And the resulting friction activates the larvae's stinging ah. mechanisms. The nematocysts. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't either. And this happened to me I wish, I would in like Florida. To go, I would like to go back to being ignorant. <laughs> well, I was... I experienced this, and it is not fun. No. On the first exposure while in the water, the bather may experience a tingling sensation on areas of the body covered by swimwear, and hairy arms and hairy chests are also affected. And I can confirm this. Uh, My body was in the swimsuit. Um, Under my swimsuit, I was like, what is going on with my swimsuit? This fabric is really itchy and weird. (laughs) (laughs) during the next few hours an itchy red rash develops and the itch can last for several weeks (laughs) it didn't for me i was Uh, very lucky but that would have been real bad (laughs) the rash is the body's reaction to jellyfish venom or toxin injected by the nematocysts some people develop a fever or feel unwell and tired children are more likely to develop systemic effects like fever nausea abdominal pain and diarrhea lovely mm, delightful so this is how you treat the sea lice jellyfish larvae sting don't pee on it <laughs> apply diluted vinegar or rubbing alcohol to the skin to help neutralize any remaining toxin that's on your skin the stuff that's already in your body, your body's just going to have to process, basically, and get rid of. Hydrocortisone lotion or cream and antihistamines may also help with some people. So the best prevention is to avoid going swimming along the lower southeast coast of Florida during the early summer months, particularly May and June. Pay attention to signs posted on the lifeguard towers warning about the sea lice in the water. Wear as little clothing as possible while swimming in the water that might have sea lice. And when swimming in the water with sea lice jellyfish, it's important to remove your bathing suit as quickly as possible. As the fabric dries and your skin rubs against it, more stings will occur. So don't shower with the contaminated suit on. The fresh water will cause the nematocyst to sting even more. Remove your suit and shower under forceful water to rinse off any larvae that could be clinging to your skin. Rinsing in the salt water that is free of larvae is the best way to rinse. Um, your contaminated suit should be machined, washed in soapy water, hot soapy water, and dried in a hot dryer. I mean, me, I would just throw the thing on the fire and be done with it. But <laughs> just buy a new suit. <laughs> this suit is dead to me now. I need a new one. Yeah, but you wouldn't. You wouldn't. You wouldn't want to hand wash it if you're planning on keeping it. Is the is the thing you need a hot soapy water kill all those critters. Different people are affected to different degrees, so that's another thing to remember. But some people might not experience very much discomfort at all, and then some people might get really, really sick. So there you go. The sea lice. The sea lice are your friend. No, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. They're the opposite of that. Yeah, I, I learned a thing. Now when when we're looking up the beach advisory, and they're like, oh, sea lice. And go, oh, those are baby jelly those are tiny mu- those are squishies they're squishies they're, they're squishies oh they are, they oh, are I squishies do- i don't like this i preferred thinking about them as, as weird little bugs <laughs> all righty well so our show has technical support by matthew chomo bed music by kevin mcleod vocal talent by carrie mcginnis chris brayton josh hallmark chris the tofu green 
And we want to thank you, the Patreon supporter, for all you do for us. Special thanks to this week's guest host, Megan Danger Hess from Oh No Lit Class Podcast. Before we go, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your show, which is for adults. This is grown-ups only, guys. And where to find you. I am the co-host of Oh No Lit Class, and it's a show about going back and revisiting required reading and classic literature that people either sort of had to experience or they looked at and they went, mm, nope, don't don't want any part of that. Things like Shakespeare, um, Moby Dick, also classics like To Kill a Mockingbird. And, yes. You know, flowers for Algernon. Uh, yes, Flowers for Algernon. Yeah, we, talk, we look at stuff that people read and you read in like middle school and stuff too. We tell you new things about the works that you might not have known. We tell you biographies of the author, trivia, different adaptations, and we're just like a fun, foul-mouthed spark notes for your ears. I mean, we're on iTunes and all of the other podcatchers wherein you may get your podcasts. We are at onalicklass.com. You can check us out on Twitter, at onalicklasspod. You can like us on Facebook. You can go outside your house and scream our name on the wind, and we will hear you, and we will know. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> All right. Well, you should check it out because it is very fun, if you are a grown-up. All right, so let's go to the Rugrat Corner. The Rugrat Corner, if you have a Rugrat, eight years of age or younger, that wants to be on our podcast, send us a message on Facebook or email us at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for details. We make it very easy for you and your Rugrat to hear your voice, their voice on the podcast. So let's go and have a listen to what we got today. Hey, Varmints Podcast, I'm going to tell you a little something about jellyfish. Cool. They start off as eggs and they're carnivores. Yes. <laughs> and then, and, and, and they're jellyfish. They're the most tiny one is, is as big as your um, nail. And then, and then the biggest one is called the lion jellyfish and and they're huge and some stocks of jellyfish can be deadly but mostly some of them just sting and hurt that is true and that is sammy chief executive fish nerd clay groves his daughter thank you so much for that sammy that was amazing thank you she was right on the money she was completely right about everything thanks for listening and until next time Be nice to animals. You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios.